Welcome to another episode of TVP's On Rampant with D. I'm just going to keep saying another episode because I'm not going to say numbers because I can't remember what they are. So if you're tuned in, <laughs> we've got another episode. If you heard that smooth music by the Absurdist, this TVP's On Rampant with D. And if you've been listening to the previous episodes, it's my attempt to provide a real-time measure for technology adoption, currency adoption, uh, you know, what is happening in people's minds as they keep hearing about this thing called Bitcoin that's not necessarily going away, but there's still just such a cloud or a shroud. So let's get started. And today's guest is an old friend, um, and I'm going to let him introduce himself. So go right ahead, man. Hi, how you doing? Uh, Joshua Sharon. So I'm from Colleen, Texas, uh, born and raised, travel for a living now. So been in Bitcoin now almost be going on a year and a half now, actually. I think I started in 2015, right at the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's old. It's been around since 2008. 2009. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I got I got in late, unfortunately. Yeah. As as I think I got in in 2013. Um, but you know, I, I think you hit me up on Facebook. Oh, by the way, I like to tell tell everyone how I know the person who I'm on rapping. And so me and Josh had like, we went back to high school. We actually had a class in ninth grade uh, where it was like called humanities, where we studied history and English at the same time or something. I don't even remember the class because I was asleep in the class like 90% of the time. But that's how I know Josh Sharon from way, way back in the day, like 1999, somewhere in there or 2000. Um, man, and old. yeah, we're getting there, man. We're getting there. You got the the, the uh, gentleman's <laughs> beard going, looking like like wisdom, oh, yeah, man. <laughs> trying to get my grown man status got, on. Got the wisdom going, but it's uh yeah, yeah. So so I believe you know I'm I'm so passionate about Bitcoin. I post after post after post. Sometimes the technology, sometimes the price. And you hit me up one day and you said, you know, what's this Bitcoin thing about? And you still been hitting me up because Bitcoin isn't something that you just get on the first go around. And so what I'd like to do now is see if I could clear up any of the questions you still have about it and help you feel more comfortable with what you actually have invested in. And just so you don't lose sleep at night as to where your wealth is and where your value is. Yeah, 100%. I, I've been treating it more like a stock. Um, but as it's been getting more and more you know, value to it, it might be a way to start using it as, as an actual currency. So my big thing was, like, I know you had posted uh, a while ago now about the, the Visa card that was supposed to come out that you could get and it would automatically transfer your, your Bitcoin into to U.S. dollars. Um, is that something that's still available? Was that like a beta test or? Oh, no, that's definitely not a beta test. I have one. In fact, while I got you on video, I'll just show it to you. Please don't remember the number, but bam, that's it right there. <laughs> it's a Visa card right there. And, and I'm, that, I mean, it is attached to uh, one of my wallets through Coinbase.com. It's one of the services they offer. 
called Shift. So if you go to Coinbase.com, I believe in like the advanced settings tab, you can request a shift card and it costs $10 to start up and that's it. And then you can start spending Bitcoin like currency. But keep in, keep in mind, well, that's a stupid thing I said, spending it like currency. But keep in mind, it's kind of like tying up a bunch of horses to a Porsche, right? Because the the, okay. the, the person in the shop isn't receiving Bitcoin. They're receiving dollars. So it's making a quick yeah. transfer. Shift is getting Bitcoin, right? And they're taking that Bitcoin and paying the the uh, the shop owner or whoever it is. Walmart doesn't matter. Whoever accepts Visa with dollars, right? So that's where that transfer is taking place, and it's all automated. So that you know, whatever the current price is, Shift gets that much Bitcoin. Person at the shop gets dollars. None the wiser. And so you you still pay that transaction fee from Bitcoin to to USD then? Yeah, pretty so much a transaction you, fee for every time you swipe it. Yeah, so you're paying the Bitcoin to to shift from Coinbase, and when they swap it, then they the shop owner gets paid USD. But you're not shift doesn't gotcha. give you the fee. There's a natural transaction fee anytime Bitcoin is moved from one wall to another. And I think the average fee is uh, 47 cents at the moment, but it's varying between 10 and 47 cents. So that's anytime any Bitcoin is sent, it's going to cost on average between 10 and 47. What is that? 57, 29 cents, right? That's a transaction fee just to put Bitcoin and send it out across the Bitcoin network. Gotcha. So it doesn't... And so, the, I mean, it is, you said... You say what? So the cool thing is, it doesn't matter how much money you send, that's the transaction fee. You can send like $1,000 somewhere, 29 cents. Yeah. I've seen $10 million go through the Bitcoin blockchain. At that point, when I looked at the fee, 10 cents. You know, wow. So when, when people and say... So when you... When you when... Go ahead. But you got it. Well, you've got to send when you send it through the blockchain. So it's, it's like you sending me 10, 10 million worth of Bitcoin. So I still got to I still got to transfer it out of that into USD or yeah. is it getting transferred? Is it getting sent from Bitcoin to USD to that other person? So if you want to transfer out of Bitcoin, then see, that's where the. That's where the loss comes right now, especially for us that live in. The U.S. and we can't necessarily we ne we don't necessarily have a need to use Bitcoin. The conversation yeah. that Bitcoin is having with dollars is where all the confiscation confiscation comes from. Because if you stay in Bitcoin and you deal in Bitcoin, there's no problems. When you try to go to Bitcoin to USD, that's where the fuzziness is, right? So if you find people that exactly. accept Bitcoin and you can send them Bitcoin, there's no problem. They'll take Bitcoin. Um, but going from Bitcoin to USD is you either yeah, need I mean, a service. I would say Bitcoin, especially with it going up. Yeah. I mean, see, I, I'm glad you said that. I'm quoting that. I'm quoting that. <laughs> I would take Bitcoin with it going up. I but mean, yeah. For, but I mean, just, I mean, just, I got in when it was about 300. And so, I mean, if I ran a business that was accepting, you know, it, this, this item is $10, but you can pay me in Bitcoin. Well, you know. A year from now, that ten dollars was still worth ten dollars. But if you paid me in Bitcoin, I mean, it's it's probably worth eighty or ninety bucks now. Yeah, and I didn't do anything to make that money. So from a business standpoint, you know, you know, if you wanted to play it like a day trader and you you know you let that money ride in the in the account for a little bit and just pull it out when you need it. But yeah, I mean, from a from a business standpoint, I would I would definitely hell if yeah. I still own uh, rental properties, I would be taking rent in Bitcoin. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't it help to just expand the way you do your accounting a little bit, still pay your bills and do your operations in the currency that you have that you're obligated to, tax-wise, all that stuff, right? But then have the option like, hey, if you want to pay me in Bitcoin, you can pay me in Bitcoin and I'll worry about the accounting, but if you're passionate about it and you have Bitcoin that satisfies the amount that I'm asking for, go ahead and send it to me. Go ahead and send it to me. Yeah. So, I mean, it, to me, it's just like people that still run all cash businesses. Yeah, well, I'm not like, familiar. Everybody knows educated. an all, and every, 
everybody knows an all cash business means that they're not reporting all that to the IRS. <laughs> like, I mean, that's, I don't know if that's like, like not common knowledge, but like there's a Mexican restaurant in Fort Worth that while well, I was at TCU, to, uh, Joe T. Garcia's and they, they're one of the top rated restaurants in the country and they all cash business. They got an ATM right in the, right in the, uh, right in the restaurant. And I'm like, yeah, there's no way that they're reporting all of this to the IRS. Like, no but, way. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I think that people that do business earnestly are going to report it as closely to the T as they can, as closely, you know, as closely to the T and the, in the crosshair of accuracy as they can. But, yeah, you know, I'm, yeah, you're that's, right. But... That's kind of the IRS's job is to make sure you're doing that. And, but an, an earnest person is going to say, hey, yes, I do have Bitcoin holdings in, and I deal in Bitcoin and this is the value of it. And if you need taxes for yeah. me, then, you know, that's just going to happen. But so that's and what. So do you, do you. Go ahead. So when it comes to taxes, so like if you, if you got Bitcoin when it was at 300, like let's say you're, you're running a business and you're, you're accepting Bitcoin as, as a, a way of payment. And that Bitcoin came to your account and it was worth 300 a coin. Do you report that as the, as the value to the IRS? And then once it goes up to 500, you got to pay the difference in taxes on the on the gain. So right now, like Bitcoin, a capital gains tax. Absolutely. Right now, Bitcoin has is legally, excuse me, qualified as a money like commodity, which means that it's exposed to gotcha. capital gains and losses. So gotcha. if you buy so today, is it, is it, go ahead. I was gonna say, is it is it exposed to the same long term capital gains? So if I if I hold my Bitcoin for more than a year then it's only 15% tax versus whatever the, the tax rate is of the, the other amount? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's, that's wow. exactly how it's treated right now. And so another thing for you to know, um, and be cognizant of, I think we talked about this in Messenger um, about a week ago, be cognizant that the way Coinbase does business is that anytime Bitcoin leaves your wallet, leaves that address, it's now exposed to capital gains or losses. So that's a very tough thing to account, especially like, like me, I'm using that shift card. I use my shift card at least two, three yeah. times a month, right? So two, three times a month is okay. going to be 24 to 36 times a year. That's a lot of line items for me to take time to go through and figure out if I had gains or losses on. Like, come on. But like, so here, here's my, here's my question though on that. Um, so the, the, the Bitcoin that I bought at 300 is going to be, taxed at a 15% tax break because I haven't taken any out since, uh, you know, since I first got in. But I just bought something when we talked the other day when it was at, I think, like 888. And then I also have my lawnmower that, that comes out every month or every week. Like, how do they determine this Bitcoin is worth, you know, this Bitcoin has been in there more than a year. This one hasn't, you know, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like, how does that work? Uh, I, I'm, I believe it's first in, first out. So it is timestamped when you buy Bitcoin. And when you export gotcha. that file, you get the exported file. Uh, what do the column headers say? You know, I have to re-familiarize myself with that. Um, when you when you click to export a file, it's like a two-day process where Coinbase is getting all of your transactions together. And then they send it out to you in a CSV Excel file. And you can see the column headers. There's a timestamp, the date, timestamp. How much you bought and what was the value of it at that time? That's what I'm saying. You'd have to do the back math, the backlog of math to calculate whether there were of gains. How much was in there? Yeah, and so that's so yeah, first, what I, first in first out makes sense. Mm -hmm. And and what I do to yeah, kind of inoculate myself for what I see is probably going to be a problem for me in the future. Should Bitcoin stay on the path that's going? Uncle Sam is going to do what Uncle Sam does and give me the shakedown or give Bitcoin in general the shakedown. And he's going to say, hey, what's going oh, yeah, on well, here? So I I export my... Well, I, I think they're... Go ahead. I, was, I think the government's going to have to catch up. It's not going to be... I don't, I don't think that they're going to slow progress. I think they're going to have to, you know, hire people like yourself and other people to uh, that actually know what Bitcoin is, know how it works to be the... Uh, forensic accountants for that that type of stuff because I don't think you can just bring anybody like a random old tax person to do an audit of a Bitcoin account right now. Yeah, it uh, it'd be tough. 
hell if the, if yeah. they want to hire me. <laughs> if they want to hire me. Yeah. Um uh, put that plug out there and put uh, it in the world. <laughs> if you know, but uh, speaking as Bitcoin is less of a currency, Bitcoin is a currency because that's an obvious value proposition for what it allows, right? So for the very first time on the planet ever, you could send money. Like if I knew a guy in China, I could send money to him with a snap of a finger, with no bank, no government, nobody involved, just like cash. That's a big yep. deal. It takes all the intermediaries out of the equation. It introduces privacy back into people's lives in a world where privacy is being stripped away. They're they're banning cash in India. They're banning cash in Venezuela. They're about to ban cash in Brazil. They're banning cash in all these places to strip privacy from people to be that big brother watching every single transaction they make. All right, I'm no conspiracy theorist, but I guarantee they're going to be getting maybe some sort of deal from I governments. Am. What'd you say? <laughs> You're a conspiracy I, theorist? I am. I, I, yeah, everything you said is true. I, I believe I they're... I theorist. I'm just... I, I dabble in it. You dab. I mean, why would they want to eliminate cash so they can look at a people's transactions and guarantee there's no oh, yeah, so quote you can unquote track everything and monitor everything? Yeah, yeah. Terrorists coming from their country, and if you can guarantee your terrorist threat levels at such and such number, we're gonna give you such and such access to economies and blah blah blah. That's how the world works, man. That's how people empower decisions. That's how people empower make power decisions. And I can see it from a mile away. Oh, you're yeah. banning cash so you can monitor the money around the world. Well, guess what? You don't. You shouldn't have see, that. I, power. I didn't know that other countries. I didn't know that countries had had officially banned cash yet. Yeah, it's official. Like in India, they banned the largest cash notes, and they gave their people two weeks to get to the bank. India is a big ass country. A lot of people didn't make it, man, yeah. and they lost their wealth. They just lost and it. So like, how do you? Uh, that's interesting because me with I'm traveling so much, like I'm I'm thinking I'm about to go to Egypt uh, next next couple weeks. Um, it's interesting to how that's gonna affect the travel world, especially if you show up thinking you can't, you know, you're gonna just change your money into current, you know, current currency. Yeah. Um, do they is it they like run everything off debit like Visa and Mastercard over there or? There's some similar systems going on over there, but it's it's Visa is known worldwide. Gotcha. Um, there's a similar system that's yeah. taking its place, but the point being, they're trying to monitor everybody's transaction and they shouldn't have that much power. They shouldn't, that's, that's too much. That's, that's too much. And in Venezuela, oh, yeah, 100%, yeah. in Venezuela, they did it and they gave their citizens two days. They banned the cash and then they were like, you got two days to get that money back in the bank so we could verify that it's yours or it's a wrap. Do you think all the people in Venezuela made it yeah, to the I... bank? Some people don't even watch the news. Oh. <laughs> Definitely not. The bank, the the banks probably didn't have enough to uh, the banks probably didn't have enough to be able to make that transition anyways. Enough staff on hand, enough of uh, the replacement currency, whatever they were using. Yeah, yeah. And so, so they was just banking on people losing their wealth in general. Mm-hmm. You can you can see that happening. And to me, Bitcoin finally gives billions of people a tool to say, "Hey, we deserve our privacy," and at the same time. We're going to make you start using this tool so you can be a little bit more transparent about the billions and trillions of dollars we're giving you year over year. That's what Bitcoin allows because of the blockchain. All those transactions are on a public blockchain, so as long as you know how to read it, if someone gives you an address, you can go check on that blockchain and see that that transaction took place. That's the proof right there. So so we... You know, me and you've been going back and forth for a couple of years now, but we never really got on the phone. Um, if you had to dumb down the blockchain, like if you could dumb that into the lamest terms that you possibly could, like because you, you say blockchain is, you know, Bitcoin is a technology, the blockchain is a technology, and Bitcoin is just an aspect of it. So then, like, what what is the blockchain? It is a balance sheet. So you remember back in elementary school, good old tag classes when we had to go. Do a balance sheet, balance a checkbook. Yeah. It is a checkbook yep. that everyone, every single node on the Bitcoin network has and it's updated in real time. That's that's pretty much it. And so who who has access to that blockchain? Anybody has access to that blockchain. But the way the 
the cryptography set up is you don't know whose address is whose until they tell you that's their address or it becomes publicly known right so you can is that give, what that qr code is the qr code is linked to that address right so when you're on coinbase and you see that address that's like a bunch of numbers and letters that address yep. you could plug into on a block finder or block explorer is what they call it it's similar to google but it just scrubs the blockchain and it finds your address and it finds the inputs and outputs associated with it. Or you could think of that as credits and debits associated with it. So if you made a transaction to... So if somebody can find my address and find out how much I'm putting in on lawnmower, putting in on yep. and all of that, and how much I'm taking out. Yep, but they can't do anything with it because you have the private key to it, or at least Coinbase gives you access to it. The private key to it, so they can just see it. Yeah, it's there. But they they can't do gotcha. anything with it. They can't pull from it. They can't. They can just see it. You know. But yeah, so, I I mean, what with that to me for you know somebody that doesn't really know a lot about it, it, it sounds like I know hacking was an issue when it first came out. But what have they done? Like, what's yeah. is it way more secure now, or should I be taking money off of it and putting it on a hard drive? So, um, hack to understand. Bitcoin wasn't hacked. There was an exchange that used Bitcoin. They were using, they were tr exchanging USD to Bitcoin. They were hacked, right? Gotcha. So it, it would be akin to, let me see if I can, someone trying to say like, oh, the internet is hacked. No, certain companies get hacked. They get attacked and they're, you know, they go down, but the internet's still working. That's yeah. that's so, a, you, so like basically if Amazon they they said Amazon got robbed but it was really the postal service that had a bunch of Amazon packages Amazon didn't get robbed the postal service got robbed but it was nothing but Amazon packages There you go That's when you read about Bitcoin gotcha. hacks that's what you're reading about Bitcoin being hacked can't be mathematically but let me explain to you why So when you take a ledger and when you distribute it thousands hundreds of thousands of places across the world if somebody attacks one of those ledgers and one of that ledger doesn't match up with the other hundreds of thousands of ledger, what are you going to do? You're going to say, oh, that ledger's obviously been tampered with. They're going to kick it out. So it's actually, in Bitcoin gotcha. terminology, on the technical level, you call it an orphaned transaction. Because it's an orphan, it doesn't match anything else, so it just kind of gets rejected. It's like, no... Nah, that's clearly not the actual representation of the amount of money in these accounts because it's the only one that's different out of all of these, right? And this is all checked and gotcha. verified okay. through a mathematical process called cryptography. Um, so let me explain to you cryptography on a way that you've probably done but never knew that you did. Say I let A equal 1, B equal 2, C equal 3, all the way to Z, right? Z would equal... 26 right two so okay yeah let's say i want to do a code and i say let's let a equal one plus four so then b would equal one plus four and c would equal or c b would equal two plus four and c would equal three plus four z would equal 26 plus four you can now yeah. send a code to someone that's just a bunch of numbers and then send them a key that says here is the key to decipher these numbers yeah that's essentially what cryptography is. Bitcoin does that on a level that is so high that I can't even explain to you. Uh, it's like one point six. So they have so every every different key, every person has their own different key that yep. it unlocks that that code in a different way, basically. Pretty much, everyone has their own private key. And in yeah. fact, in the Bitcoin community, which is something that I just did, and I feel so much better sleeping at night with it. Is they have we have a saying that says if you don't own the private keys, you don't own the Bitcoin. Plain and simple. So okay. Coinbase.com is a very open and earnest company, but if you don't choose the option, if you don't go to the advanced setting and choose the option to export the private key to you and go through those instructions that they give you on how to store it correctly and how to make copies of it and how to put it in places you trust, then technically Coinbase.com is the custodian of your private key, and they're the one using it to send money everywhere. They don't see it because of the process that they've built. They don't see your private key 
but they're using that key to sign and send out transactions. So if you, which you got to do all of that from the computer. So I actually need yeah. to get on my laptop and use Coinbase.com because I never have. But you use it all on um, the phone. If you, That's a man on the move yeah, right there. It's all on the phone. <laughs> you yep. said what? I said you're a man on the move right there. All on the phone. That's a that's actually a oh good... yeah, one hundred percent. I'm I'm trying to get trying to get rid of my laptop, but there's so many so many little things that certain websites and certain bank like uh, Chase Bank. There's certain things that you can do on the laptop you can't do on the bank on the phone and vice versa. Mm. So I still have to have a laptop. Um, but so if if you get your personal key and you 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 did that process and you now have that in your possession. Every mm-hmm. time you go to make a transaction, do you got to pull that out and put it back into Coinbase? No, 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 you don't. You just have your private key. So the pro, the pro, because right now, I mean, right now the process is is smooth for me. If I if I like what it's doing, I go in and I buy some, and I have my lawnmower coming out every week. Um, but other than that, I don't even think about it. So if I'm going to make a transaction, I don't have to like go find my key on a, on my laptop, put it in, and and no, but like it doesn't. Owning the key doesn't make the process any harder. Owning the key doesn't make the process any harder. It just means that you own the key. And that's, they complete, see right now when they generate your wallet, they take that private key and they hide it. So they'd never see it. If they did, there'd be huge legal ramifications because they'd have access to everyone's money. But they generate it in a way that they never see your private key. But they also, you know, use just computer savvy are allowing that key to sign transactions to send money out. But once you export it, you'll have it. And then they use another technique. Go ahead. I was going to say, so is is it essentially like a safety deposit box then where the bank, you you have the key to your safety deposit box? Yeah, pretty much. This is a very good analogy looking at it. That's a very, that's a great analogy. And they even offer those vault services. I don't know if you've explored that yet, but they do I, I have I have most of my Bitcoin in a vault, but I, I was gonna ask you about that too here in a that's, second. That's called cold storage. So let me let me help you out with that. Cold there's a difference between cold storage and hot storage. Hot storage is keeping your money, your Bitcoin, on a wallet that has touched the internet. They call it hot because the internet is not a safe place. Although people do their business yeah. as if they think it is, it is not a safe it's the fucking yeah. wild, wild west. And so they call it a hot <laughs> they call it a hot wallet. The cold wallet is when you take, this is the coolest thing about Bitcoin, if you tell me, you take the ones and zeros and you transfer them to a wallet that has never touched the internet, right? So it's a very interesting thing that Coinbase does is in the vault, they keep your money in cold storage wallets that have never touched the internet, and they actually probably lock those somewhere in a vault. So it's like taking the banking and flipping it on its head. (laughs) So you can imagine like a vault somewhere. That's my... Go ahead. So, like, on my when I when I open my app, like, I've got a vault one that has like the big black looks like you know a dial lock on it, mm-hmm. and I have most of my Bitcoin in there. But how? Go ahead. So all of, so all of this stuff is is on. I got to get on the computer. Like you're saying, export to private and all of that. That means I got to be mm-hmm. on the actual the laptop to do it. Got gotcha. now. Okay, because these are these are settings that I've never seen. That's why. It's a, so when you. So exporting the private key from Coinbase is a pretty you gotta get on the desktop, you gotta get on your laptop and just follow the instructions to a T, right? To a T. And they'll give you the private key. And then you just, you know, do what you do with it. I have private keys. Um, you know, let me not give away my strategy for how I store my private keys, but <laughs> find a way. Yeah. <laughs> find a way to store that. And um Keep it safe and know it. And um, some people do this it thing be called... right next to my gun. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the safest place, and that's in storage somewhere. Shit. <laughs> Just I live make... so much on the road, man. All of my stuff's in storage somewhere. Yeah, I saw you like posted the other day. It's like, hey guys, I'm just gonna be selling random things because I'm pulling random things out oh, of yeah. storage. Man. If I didn't have luggage, I, I would have got by that. Twenty right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I got a ten by twenty right now that I haven't I haven't seen ninety eight percent of it in two years, so it's got to go. 
You should have one of those, like, you should wow. go on YouTube and make one of those bootleg, like, Sunday, 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 making a sale, Josh Sharon's storage box. Come on down. I got no clue what the hell I have. Just come on down. I wonder if they would, but see, the storage unit, you got to have, like, a key code to get in, and I don't really want to give everybody that code, but I wonder if they would let me do a yard sale right out of my uh, storage unit versus <laughs> having to pull it out, move it somewhere, put it back in. Maybe. You they'll know, just want to cut. in the hallway. They'll want to cut. Oh man, they can take a cut. Those overpriced ass. Shit. Tell me how much you want to sell this. Yeah, how much you think you can get for this storage unit at, at auction? Okay, give me give me fifty percent of that. Call it yeah. a day. It's yours. Oh, over all storage places are overpriced. If you ask me, I never met one that was not overpriced. Oh. Like, I was... man, that's that's the that's the dream right there. Yeah. That's my ultimate goal in life. If if I'm going real estate, if I can buy a storage a storage unit, I'm done. I retire <laughs> that day. <laughs> Might be like I just sell people like really uh, maybe paint some cardboard boxes gold or some shit like I will store your widgets in this box. And you know what? There's a there's a technology that was updated. That's the coolest thing about Bitcoin is it's programmable money. Like even just thinking about the possibilities in that statement, it's kind of is why I have a show dedicated to <laughs> those possibilities. But it was updated for a thing yeah. called m- multiple signature transactions. Right. So the way our business vault okay. is set up for our show is it there are multiple private keys that all work in parallel and they all have to sign at the same time, just like the nuclear codes. So when Corey and Cello and I want to move funds, we have a we have a multiple signature. We have our deep funds for long term money. And of course, we got our short term money checking and savings. But for the savings amount of it, if we want to move that money, we each three get an email and we each three in that email have to verify our signature in order for that money to move. It's called multiple signature transactions. So you can see, like, I don't know, allowance for parents and their kids. Or when parents give their kids wallets, it's a multiple signature wallet. Give your kid yeah. the wallet. If a kid's spending that, money, it goes straight to your phone. You say, what are you spending? Why do you keep going to the gas station? What's all this? What's all these trips? to the? You can start to see things like that and practice that in real time. Like, there's just applications down the road that Bitcoin allows that, you know, of course, you could probably do that with your bank, set up a joint so bank that, account. But that's why you call it a, that's why you call it a tech, excuse me, a technology then is because of those, yeah, those things, things that allows it to be down the road. The things that are unforeseen, right? So uh, there's a guy that I listen gotcha. to called Andreas Antonopoulos, uh, a brilliant speaker, and he likens Bitcoin to the internet of money. And he says, you should put the focus on the internet and not on money. And, you know, when you think about the internet and how it started, it was one high-level professor to another high-level professor sending each other, like, a message. No, actually, it was military. But after that, for commercial use, it went to the universities first. And one university sent a message to another university, and they were like, oh, my God, we could just do this and not use mail. But that was a very long process between the late 60s and the early 80s to get people to understand, hey, guys, we can send electronic messages. It's just crazy. Like, yeah. I don't got to send mail. And now, <laughs> and now we got so, Facebook. So from a technology standpoint, like, we grew up we grew up having to go to the computer lab. You know, I, I don't know about you personally. We didn't really have, like, a computer with internet at the house. So, you know, you had to go to the computer lab when the, when the class allowed you to go. Whereas kids nowadays, they don't understand that concept of, you know, in college. I, I graduated in 07. But, you know, in college, you're in the club with a camcorder, mm-hmm. like a legitimate handheld camera filming everything. And now you just pull out your phone while you're talking to somebody. Me and you are having a Skype interview from different parts yep. of the country. Yep. Like, that, the, the concept that, you know, people, the younger generation, even though I'm not that that they don't they can't fathom what it was like the excitement to get that first mp3 player yeah from going from a cd player or man or like me i mean me and you the same you know going from cassette tape where you're recording 92.3 on the radio like you're trying (laughs) to hear the song and you're recording it was it like the seven o'clock cd yeah Top top five and five or top top eight and eight. That's top eight and eight. You used to put the tape so to say there. Like, yeah. Yeah. You're like, hey, hey, quiet. 
oh man, I missed the beginning. I gotta wait till tomorrow to like being able to download music. Like it, the the transition of technology in the last, and it's it's crazy to think it's only been fifteen years, really. Like I mean, obviously yeah. it's been longer with that with cassette and and but I, I the the amount that has allowed it to 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 transpire. Like I was working for AT and T and marketing when the iPhone launched. And so we were in San Francisco, which was the actually headquarters of the iPhone store. So that was the main iPhone store, or the Apple store. And the line was around like the blocks. And it was mm-hmm. it was ridiculous to, and you know, me at the time, I'm like, why are people, I still have my little Palm, Palm <laughs> 84, 100, what are like, why are people really, this is stupid. And here I'm like, yeah, this is, I should have been on board. This is a necessity. This is, but it's, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It, it's what it is. It really yeah. is a necessity. And I tell people, I tell people that now that the the fact, the fact that how far we've come in technology to now you and I are having a conversation about uh, without you, without me swiping a credit card, without me giving you cash in hand. Hey, man, let me get that painting on, on Facebook. OK, well, send me some Bitcoin. There Boom, you go. The end. Like we, we don't need PayPal. You don't need another. You just need like it's me and you. And like yeah. that's. To, it's essentially cash for the world. Is how I look at it. Like, I, I, the world has now become your marketplace for Man. cash transactions. Yeah. you get it, which is giving you have, a leg up. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if if I if I if I I don't have a business right now. I you know I, I used to have real estate and stuff like that. Then traveling too much. But if I ever have one, like that's going to be like. Do they have? Uh, like those scanners that you see where you can scan like uh, your Chili's rewards card. Does do those work with the QR code where like you can scan your Bitcoin QR code and it pulls the amount right out of your, your wallet? Like, oh, yeah. Is that a technology that's out there right now? Oh, yeah. Hold up. Let me show you. If I still have the widget on my iPhone. I have a wallet on my phone called AirBits. Haven't shown them any love for a while on the show, but. Well, we, we got to get you to the We, we got to get you to the Android world first. Let's Let's go with that. <laughs> Man. I'm slow to move. I'm a curmudgeon because I got. I feel like I got my whole life on these, on on Apple, and then when I make that switch, I tell people. Yeah. Go ahead. I I tell people Apple and Steve Jobs they did a great job of simplifying everything. Like if I'd have gave my dad has my old Note too. If I'd have gave him the iPhone, he would be a tech wizard by now. But the. Yeah. Okay, and so you just. Yep. So you scan that. But so like if I'm running the business and I charge you ten dollars, then there's there's now a there's a scanner button on here. So if you're charging me money, I push the scanner button, it's gonna open up the app, I do my touch pin, and it's gonna load up the scanner and I can scan. Okay. But I so, okay, so yeah. you, you, I've gotta have my phone out, but is there you know how you um that's in the work. Essentially, like at the airport, when I can do my my boarding pass, where like that's at the merchant's account now. It's it's the car swipe and the Bitcoin, uh, the Bitcoin scan. Yep, that's, that's in, in the, the works, works, man. So Got that's it. what I'm saying. With programmable technology, you can envision there's there will be a future where when you walk into Starbucks, Starbucks can send a signal to your phone, and you can see a tab on your phone that says, "Hey, you've entered Starbucks's." wi-fi space so now there's going to be a separate tab that's like anything that you pick up anything that you buy it's going to be automatically take building up a a lump sum of that it's pinged to your wallet yeah your wallet is communicating with their router and then when you're ready to leave you just say pay boom hit the button on your phone and you're done um but see it's it's just like you said it's getting ahead of of where stuff is going so like you just told, you know, you told the story about Starbucks and Bitcoin, but Amazon is already trying to do grocery stores that you just literally walk in, take and leave. Yeah. And you don't pull your phone out. You don't do nothing. So, and, I mean, it, it's it's absolutely crazy to think that that's where stuff and, is going. And to, to talk to your point about the cell phone being pivotal and paramount. What's crazy is. These things are real cheap now. Smartphones are cheap now. You And. What Bitcoin allows, and this is crazy to think of, is you can turn a phone into a bank. If you give, yeah. if you take private keys and you store them on that bank, right? So now you can have a hut somewhere out in random Nowheresville. 
you'll see huts that have solar panels on the top of them. And this was I was just watching a talk from Andreas. He was like, you'll see huts that have solar panels on top of them, and then connected to that solar p- panel is a Nokia phone or a smartphone so they can communicate to the city, so they can communicate, they can do things like that. You can now have a hut that can have a bank. You can now have a hut that has access to a global economy. Once all the tools that we already well, use... How, go ahead. How are they getting internet out there? That's what I've always wondered about. I've, I've a, seen a... I, I watched a small documentary on uh, uh, Bitcoin and stuff like that and how they're, like you just said, they're turning... They're allowing local local people to to have a flourishing economy versus having to go try to get money from a bank, yada, yada, yada. But how do they get internet in those places? That's a great question. That's a question I wish I'd had the answer to. I know Zuckerberg's trying to make global internet. (laughs) Oh, yeah, man. I mean, you seen it on, uh, what was that, the Kingsmen where they was giving out free SIM cards? Yeah, that's gone. (laughs) Somebody going to try to profit off being able to get everybody connected to the internet. And the person that finds that solution is going to be a quadrillionaire. You know, Bitcoin's a lot of things, and that's what me and Corey Cello are having trouble trying to define at this moment. It's because it's so new and it's so different. There's going to be people like ourselves that are enough, that are passionate enough about it and knowledgeable enough about it um, to try and define those things that are undefined for people. Like, how can something be money and a technology? Well, quite honestly, the way the community's going, we haven't quite figured that out. But we do know that it has a lot of value and a lot of human engineering behind it. And we're still pushing forward and building out these tools for people to have the easy access to Bitcoin. And Bitcoin is doing all this phenomenal things in the background and people are none the wiser. So if yeah. if I could give you guys to, to grow your following um, one piece of advice, it would simply be to... I would, and it's sad that it has to be this way, but I would start looking at trying to maybe put a somewhat of an emphasis on the the financial benefits that can come from Bitcoin as far as um, not so much the blockchain and all of that, because people get lost in that. But if you tell somebody that you could you could have bought in for 300, now it's worth 800 and it, it's going to fluctuate and just try to get, because that's how I got interested. Like I made money. Mm-hmm. And then I like, well, shit, I'm making money. Let me find out a little bit more about this thing. And, then, you know, I start doing my own research. I'm asking you. But, you, I mean, the nature that we are as human beings, at least in this country, is it's all, it's all about money. Yeah. So if you could show somebody how to make money with this, they're going to want to learn more about the backside of it. Because, like I said, you you telling me that, you know, in the works right now is, is a terminal that I can charge Bitcoin at a, at a gas station. Mm-hmm. So like now that person's like, well, I have another a revenue stream that can make money. And if the value of Bitcoin goes up, I'm making more money off of just that $10 purchase of gas. I think people, like I said, me personally, I jumped to it because of the financial aspect of it mm-hmm. and then got kind of, you know, you know, got excited about what other technologies it can do and what, you know, where the, where the future is going as a whole. But it was, it was the money that drew me in. And I know that's not what y'all want to focus on. But I do know that a lot of people, like I always see, um, what's the gentleman, um, uh, Corey, that we went to high school with? Mm-hmm. Like Corey always on the uh, on the Facebook chats with us, or Facebook posts. He's always, because he's, he, how can I make money? And I guarantee you, if Corey was making money with it, he would be like, well, I'm going to learn this. I'm going to learn uh, about this. I'm gonna... Yeah, that's and true. And it's, it's sad that it has to be that way. That's very true. And that's, like, you I, know, I, that's that's no different than me. No different whatsoever. The only person that is different in this whole question is the person that introduced me, Corey, is a computational physicist, and he looked at all of the computer programming and was like, holy shit, this is different. This is going to change the game. And he called me and he told me about it, and he was like, hey man, let me pitch to you this magic internet money. And I was like, man, if I want to play Monopoly, I'll just go play Monopoly with my friends. Like, I don't need that Monopoly money, okay? Yeah. He called me up in October and he goes, hey, remember when it was like $30? Per Bitcoin? I was like, yeah. He was like, and I told you it was going to be a big deal. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, is that $700? And I was like, what? What? And at that time, I was in a position to act on it. And so I didn't fail a second time. And then I'm in the yeah. same kind of whirlwind where people are now. I bought my very first Bitcoin at $1,080. 
whole Bitcoin just splurged. Wow. It went up to 1300 okay. and I was like, oh, it's on and popping. I'm going to be one of those oh, people man. that mysteriously has a boat. And then I'm, it, I'm not going to lie to you. Like I, that first, when you first talk, like talking to you was when I finally decided to buy it. But when it, I bought it at like 300 and it kept going up and man, that first month I was buying just like, oh, shit, going up. Let me just keep getting in. Let me keep getting in. And then now it's at a point where, you know, you can't really splurge. Like, you know, you're buying one coin, and, you know, that's a lot of money for one. So I let my lawnmower take over. But, yeah, yeah man, I was I was just like you, my boy. Told, he didn't know nothing about it neither. But he told me, like, when it first came out, it was like, yeah, man, they, like, mining for digital currency. And, you know, they got computers that just dig it up and it's, I'm like, man, that shit ain't never gonna catch on. I said that already <laughs> sounds too high tech for people. Um, yeah. And that was, like I said, that was, you know, back at the beginning. And then, like you said, I'm not gonna fail twice. So when you brought it up, I like, yeah, let, let me go ahead and get in. Yeah, um, it, I got my tour partner on when, when we bought in. I, I got my tour partner on, and she, she sold. And I, I was like, why you sell? She like, well, it was just too volatile for me, and this and that. And then it's I risky. hit her the other day, like, hey, Bitcoin is like at 1100 bucks right now. She was like, fuck! <laughs> man, you could have cashed out then. Yeah. It dropped a little bit. I think she back down to like, made like 100 bucks. Gone oh, back to yeah. low 900, high 800. But that's the thing. The only reason I don't do that, yeah. Josh, is because you can, you can get in trouble. And I don't want to get in too much trouble. And I try to put as many dis. We were just discussing this the other day. It's funny you bring it up. I try to. We try to put as many disclaimers as possible on what we do. But there's always going to be that one person that's like, "I'm going balls to the wall. I'm going to put my whole life savings in this." And then if something happens, yeah. then they're going to hold I me accountable. You, you would, yeah, no. you would have to be certified as a fin- whatever that organization is that has to be certified for financial advisors. I guess. Yeah, and so. We have to like yeah, be that, careful. That makes more sense then. Yeah, you gotta you gotta walk on eggshells. Definitely, I understand that now. Yeah, you're right. And you know the price naturally yeah. attracts anyone. All these ways of adoption we get are each time the price is doing something ridiculous. So we got me in it, cello in it. Probably hit Corey's radar because when when Corey found out about it, it went from two dollars to thirty dollars. That's a big jump. That's oh. a huge jump. Oh yeah, you know? that's a so, huge jump. So. That's when Corey found out about it, but him being a computational physicist and breaking it down for me, just the math side of it, which I understand, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is going to be a big deal. This is going to be a huge deal. And See, so I, I have a friend. I have a friend that I was on tour with, not really a friend, but a guy I was touring with. Um, we got to talking about Bitcoin when it was going up, it was like at six or seven hundred. And he was like, man, don't bring that up to me. And I was like, damn, my bad. What, what happened? He was like, I when it first came out, I got in and I bought you know mining equipment. I had a mining computer and I had over uh, like 120 coins, and it skyrocketed to a thousand. I had like a hundred something thousand dollars sitting in the bank, and then it crashed and I got depressed. He's like, I lost like ninety eight thousand dollars in in mm. a, a month span or whatever. And he was like, I sold it all and sold the equipment, sold all the Bitcoin off, and I, I got out. I was like fucking kidding me right now Jeez, like man. you could have been had a, a hundred hundred and twenty coins sitting there right now like man yep so yeah he was salty about it and i i understand why yeah that's that's the money aspect of it is where people get salty and where we can get in trouble legally 100 yeah, and people could just get scored they could feel scorned like we burned them gave them all this false information which is why we focus on the true reality of the technology they're getting real hung up on the price, and then they do something stupid. And it's not like I don't live my life in a secret. They yeah. could probably find me not, <laughs> you know. They could, you know. So I try to be very careful. It, it makes sense now. Now that I I, I mentioned, I, yeah. Now that I mentioned that to you, uh, you know, take a step back. It does make a ton of sense that once you start trying to give people financial advice, you know, as the government tries to regulate everything, you have to be mm-hmm. certified to do that or you can get in huge trouble. So, yeah, y'all keep doing what y'all doing. Y'all got it. And y'all got it down pat. Y'all don't need me. Yeah. <laughs> and you saw that Facebook post I made the other day. I do put a post of my personal charts up there. And that guy was like, stop trying to fool people into buying Bitcoin uh, just so you can make money or something. And I was like, dude, I'm not trying to fool anyone. You obviously don't know what I'm doing because... That is yeah. not what I'm doing. Well, like I so. mean, it, that's like telling somebody stop putting the uh stop putting the returns on gold up and trying to fool people. 
yeah. no, like for 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 the most part, gold is a is a a valued asset that has a, is is always has a return. It's gonna go down and it's gonna go back up, but for the most part, it is an appreciating asset that always goes yeah. up. It's a storage of so, value. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, but Bitcoin is really based on when you buy in. So if you bought in late and and it goes down, you lost money. Well, for everybody else that bought in when it was when it was low, they made money. So I mean, it, it's it's. It's just like the stock market, and I said that's how I treat it. In that it, aspect, yeah, is the stock market you can make make or lose a lot of money just based on when you bought the stock. Yeah, that I dollar cost average, so I don't worry about it. I buy the same amount in yeah, USD. That's what I, 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 yep, all the time, so I don't worry about it. And it's basically a long bet. If you know, by the time I'm fifty five, oh, yeah. Bitcoin at appreciated in value to a certain point, it's like cool. That was a good bet. If it's not, then I'll assess it then. But it's a long play. But I do want to fully I, I, answer your I always ask you and I, I Go ahead. You say what? I wanted to fully I answer your question. You I... We keep it doing it. Go ahead, go ahead. You go ahead. Uh so I I'll ask you off of that. I don't want to put you on, on the podcast is uh holding true as to what you think the value would be when you're fifty five. So that'll be a, a Facebook message that I I'll, I'll see what your opinion uh, is. Well, Okay, we could do that offline. We'll do that offline, and uh, I'll yeah, let you know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I want, I want, yeah. I, I've done some napkin math, try to give myself dreams. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but what I will say to answer your question fully about the blockchain, because a lot of my listeners will get pissed off because I told you just a snippet of it, right? Let's see if I can understand this. So when you make a transaction, it is then signified to blockchain network that you've made a transaction and it sits in this pool of transactions called a memory pool all these computers that are doing all this hardcore math to secure the blockchain are also trying to introduce a new block to the network by solving a math problem that gives them a small number like a i think it's called a nunce or something it gives them a very small number and once they solve this math problem they can then take a grouping of those transactions prioritized by how many how much they paid in fees put them into a block and then lock them into the blockchain every 10 minutes a new block is introduced to the blockchain so what the blockchain actually does is after 6 blocks the transactions that are in that 6th from the end block are mathematically impossible to change. The other six are highly, highly improbable. You've got like a one in two to the 14th chance of changing one transaction, and you have to have enough computation power to try it in a 10-minute window. And you would need paramount to about, I don't know, 500 I'm just, you know what, I'm not going to do that accuracy. It would cost you millions of dollars for the computation needed to reverse one transaction in one block, and you have a 10-minute window. And guess what? In the next 10 minutes, 10 minutes. you've got to start again. After 60 minutes, those cha- all the transactions previous, they're unchangeable. Cannot change them. And the way this gotcha. all works, the crypto... You remember back in... um. Back in algebra, functions, long, many, many moons ago. Yeah. Functions, right? So it's, it's a function. Each block is a function of another function. And you're putting, so each block is kind of tied to the block before it. So that's the way okay. it keeps track of it. It chains these blocks together using cryptography. Each block is kind of tied to the block before so you can go all the way back to the very first Bitcoin and see where exactly the path it took through the blockchain to get to the address it's in It's in right now. But you can't change yeah. those transactions. Like a bank does, that's another value thing okay. when it comes to cash. Like when somebody swipes their credit card, they can do a, they can do a chargeback. And it's a fraud. It's a huge fraud yeah. thing, right? So if you run a business and you use Bitcoin, there is no chargeback. That money is confirmed in the blockchain. It got sent. So if you run a business, it's a huge fraud risk that you're eliminating if you use Bitcoin. Because it's like, hey, you spend this Bitcoin here. It's on the blockchain. It's not getting reversed. I got your money. You got your product. Don't try to call me back saying you didn't get your product. It's there. 
gotcha. can't charge back, right? Okay. So that's the huge. That's yeah. another huge value proposition. Is that's what the blockchain allows? Is the what do they call it? The you uh, ear. I don't know. I forgot the word for it, but you can't change those transactions once they're in the block. There's nobody that can swipe a pin and say that never happened or swipe a pin and, and switch it. It's done. It's a done deal. It's in the blockchain. It's verifiable proof. So that's what the blockchain allows. So when transactions go, so many transactions will okay. go into a block and that block is confirmed every 10 minutes. So every 10 minutes gets a new confirmation. And it's up to you as a business what level of confirmation you feel comfortable with. But you can see that's where Bitcoin is kind of kind of kind of lacking right now because you can't run a business on a 10 minute window. You can't have somebody pay you and then wait yeah. around for 20 minutes and say, OK, now you can go. Or, hey, here's the money for the coffee. Yeah. You got to sit around here for 10 minutes so I can see that it hits the blockchain or it gets into a block and then you can go. So there's updates. Yeah, then you there's can thing, go. Yeah, there's a whole other rabbit hole of things called segregated witness and lightning network that are changing that. That'll actually give Bitcoin the capacity to do the to do transactions about anywhere from ten to hundred thousand times the load of visa, the Visa network. So that's a whole nother conversation. Okay. Something I'm really excited about. Yeah. It's called lightning transactions, where each Bitcoin becomes a tunnel to another Bitcoin, and the transaction found, finds the fastest way to the blockchain. Very very unique, and I don't even know if I did it justice in that description. But it does allow for transactions to occur. They haven't found an upper limit yet. And once these yes. upgrades take place this year, they're projected to, hopefully, in the Bitcoin, everything is based on math and on computation. So if they don't get consensus within the network, then they're not going to be put into place. But it, when and if they are, it gives Bitcoin an upwards capacity that people can't really see. They're like, man, if you put the Lightning Network on top of Bitcoin, you can have transactions. You can have hundreds of thousands of transactions a second. Visa can't do that. They do a lot. They do thousands of transactions a second, but they can't get hundreds of thousands. They can't hit millions. Yeah. So the Bitcoin's, that's what I'm saying. It's programmable money. We don't even know where this thing is going yet. Make so, it do what you need to do. Yep. Make it, oh, I'm quoting that. Make it do what you needed to do. Because that's something that I got into a little argument with the guys about yeah, not too long ago. But anyways, <laughs> this episode's gone like 30, 40 minutes longer than these episodes usually go. Just probably because of your, I guess, natural curiosity and, uh, you know, asking the right questions and getting me going. But yeah. So, well, thank you for, for coming on the show, Josh. No, I know you've been. Um, no problem. You've been, we've been uh, chatting on Facebook Messenger for a while now, maybe two years um, here and there, just, yeah. you know, checking on what's going on with the community, what's going on with Bitcoin. Um, now, that you, hopefully, you know a little more than you did. I can't ask you the normal question I usually do, which is, hey, would you allow me to show you how to buy some Bitcoin? Because you've been buying it for a while and you know what it's about. Um, yeah. So I'll just say, if you are wanting to know more about bitcoin on a more at depth level you're always feel free to join our slack you can uh, the people that sponsor us the cointelegraph.com number one media outlet in cryptocurrency right now they cover bitcoin they cover everything you can go to cointelegraph okay. you can go to coindesk and you can even go to our blog where we have a writer shout out to ken who puts together these how to's on all of these things that we discuss like making cold wallets and exporting keys and signing up with different things in Bitcoin, oh, okay. how to yeah. secure your Bitcoin, how to do this, how to do that. There's a nice little how-to's written in our blog about just how to okay. do things like that. I have to like check that. that out. So thanks for stopping by, uh, giving me an hour of your time. Um, <laughs> no problem, man. Thanks for having me. Do you feel like you got a little bit more clarity on the blockchain now? Oh, yeah. Okay. Definitely, man. I, you answered a lot of questions for me, so appreciate it. Appreciate I'm still your working time. On, I'm still working on my approach, but can you do one favor for me? Can you say, play the outro? Play the outro for me. Got it.